1: Pat Vitucci Program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal profession prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. Proxy Freedom and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine. Designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fattucci, with over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to Don'tInvestAndForget.com.
3: You know, quite often on the program, a big part of what we do is to help listeners understand what kind of a nest egg does one need to have set aside in order to retire. What kind of retirement vision or dream do you have? Is it staying at home watching soap operas all day? Or would you like to travel the world? And obviously, the amount of money that you'll need to have at your disposal between those two scenarios is very different. In addition to that, questions often come up about when is the best time to apply for Social Security. But Pat, I'd like to add one more element into the mix here that I think far too often retirees don't give as much consideration to. And that is... What's the ideal retirement age in relationship to your health?
4: Well, Craig, that's always been the the leading question for folks approaching their 60s. Let's go back in time. In fact, 142 years ago, 1881, I think you were just a kid back then, Craig. You remember the conservative German chancellor, Otto von Bismarck. He was a pretty smart, forward-thinking guy, and he was talking about a national retirement benefit, brand new. No one ever thought about retirement. What the heck is retirement? I mean, farmers would plow the land, and when they couldn't handle the oxen anymore, they would sit home on their rocking chair on the front porch, and the kids would take over, and dad would last another six months or a year, and that was it. Average life expectancy, 40 years. He said pretty smartly retirement age at 70. And he said, 70, everybody's going to get a check in the mail. What kind of crazy talk is this? Everybody thought. Well, shortly after that, he revised the retirement benefit to 65 in nineteen sixty. So that became the model for many nations. In fact, President Roosevelt copied it. He thought, okay, 65 is a pretty good number. But even in America in 1935, when President Roosevelt established that Social Security Act of 1935 less than 60% of Americans lived 65 so President Roosevelt was a pretty smart guy as well move the clock forward average life expectancy today is 76 in Europe it's even higher so we've got an issue today 66 or 67, whatever your full retirement age, anybody born after 1960, in fact, your full retirement age is now 67. We've just seen recently in France, they were riding in the streets because President Macron was trying to get retirement age moved from 62 to 64. And amazingly, in France, life expectancy is 82. Maybe you guys, we need to start drinking more wine. I, I suspect French people are drink a whole lot more wine than Americans, and maybe we need to uh, change our, our health habits. Of course, it's all driven by working life expectancy vis a the your health expectation. We all know, logically, that if you have a physically demanding job, your life expectancy is just not as high as if you are looking at a computer screen or pushing paper and sitting at a comfortable desk all day long. And so we've got to take that into account knowledge-based jobs, a more reasonable retirement age is maybe 70, and maybe if you've got a physically demanding job, maybe it's 60. I doubt if any of that would ever work its way through the legislature. There would be uh, all kinds of discrimination suits about favoring people with more physically demanding jobs than mentally demanding jobs. And, of course, the risk of death is higher clearly with a more physically demanding job. Nevertheless, we've got to understand, when should you really file for your retirement check? People say, oh, I'm going to get it now while it's still there before it goes away. In my view, guys, this is not going away. The benefit levels will be lower. The retirement eligibility age will be higher. There's no question about that. So I don't think that's a logical conclusion. I'm going to get it now before it goes away. It's really, how healthy are you if you take it at 65 versus 70 there is an 11-year crossover break-even number. So at roughly age 81, if you're still alive and kicking, you won the lottery. You beat the numbers. If you don't make it to 81 and you've taken it too early, you've probably sacrificed some income for you and your family. And so it's an interesting dilemma where your health issue and your the physical demands of your job can make a significant difference in the way you file, when you file, And then if you're married certainly for your surviving spouse, continuing to get that benefit for the rest of their life.
3: It sounds almost Pat as if there's multiple considerations here then. It's not just a question of your wealth, it's your health. It's your dreams, your, your goals for retirement. And if you're fortunate, all of those may converge in a, in a very nice fashion that by the time you reach the age that you feel like you're ready to retire. Your 401K suggests that you're ready to retire and you can go ahead and pull the trigger because your health is still about you. Certainly, as you suggest, as people are living longer, the notion of being required to retire at 60 because of incapacities or incompetence is less and less of a factor. But I guess the big surprise lurking in the background is if you're 40 or 50, it's difficult to anticipate or predict what your health is going to be like when you get into your 60s, if you have a heart event or get diagnosed with diabetes, something that potentially could change that schedule. That suggests to me that determining this age number is far more complex. And undoubtedly, many of our listeners are saying, wow, I've got to have a crystal ball to figure all of this out. Help us understand the ways in which The Don't Invest and Forget advisory team can help people sort of navigate so many of these complicated questions related to retirement age, health, wealth, goals.
4: You know, it all boils down to spending time with one of our Don't Invest and Forget members in any one of our offices or a Zoom call or a phone call. As you mentioned, it is a collection of so many considerations, health, your family structure, your passions. You love your job. You hate your job. I've had people come in my office and say, I've got seven years, 24 days, and eight hours left before I retired. I said, well, wait a minute. Why are you going to spend the next seven years in something you absolutely hate? Find a different career. Find a different job. Do something different. Don't wish your life away. Now you're 65 and your health is bad or your gratitude. Your whole mindset is kind of backwards thinking. So it really takes a comprehensive view of, yeah, you look at the numbers. What's your 401k worth? What's your Social Security? What's your house payment? What's your house worth? You want to move to Florida? Your health? Your family legacy of health? Did mom and dad live long? Or what kind of health considerations? We don't give a physical, but we're going to ask you some health questions, high-level health questions, to get kind of a generic 30,000-foot view of how you feel about your health. What's your doctor say? And so there's so many considerations to review and conclude with a game plan, a roadmap to where you want to be 1, 3, 5, 10, 20 years from now. And, yeah, you make adjustments all along the way because stuff happens along the way. But you've got to create a roadmap that today might make sense. And as you go through the years, you make adaptations, modifications to that roadmap. Based on what happens, you get laid off, your spouse dies, you get a medical condition, your children out of the house, or they come back and live with you again, those boomerang kids. All those need readdressing your goals and your reasonable expectations to where you want to be when you do finally say, I'm not working anymore, I quit. And do the numbers make sense? Does your lifestyle make sense? The health issues integrate into that. And I see it really requires a quiet one-on-one or one-on-two with a couple. We take copious notes and we come out with a conclusion that I think for 30 years, we've made some pretty good recommendations based on that whole potpourri of data that drives a roadmap and drives financial plan that is executable.
5: Papaducci says,
3: Health care, of course, is a topic that a lot of us think about. There's the debate over reforming the Affordable Care Act taking place in Congress. There's always talk about a friend or an associate that maybe has been into an accident or suddenly has come down ill. Anybody who contributes to the cost of their health insurance through their plan at work knows it can be fairly expensive. Many of us, though, live under the illusion that once we get older, we apply and qualify for Social Security and Medicare, that all of our health care worries will be taken care of by the government. Time to put the brakes on, because that is not the truth, as we're about to learn from our host, Pat Vitucci. And Pat, there's so many misconceptions about Long-term care insurance, what it is, why we need it, and what it is that things like Medicare and Social Security, in fact, don't cover, that I think it leaves a lot of people in the dark until they get caught by surprise, and oftentimes, then it's too late.
6: I don't want no insurance, Craig, and that's the reaction I get, is that it's too expensive, and if I buy it, then I'm going to probably have to use it the following day. So get that away from me. It's like contagion. I don't even want to come near. I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about football. That's kind of the reaction I get. And I've got to painfully hold their hand and say, listen to me carefully, look in my eyes, and just listen to the coverage it provides. And if you don't have it, listen to the consequences. It's not something that people embrace. And they're calling me, Every day of the week, hey, I want to buy some of that long term care insurance. I heard at the cocktail party last night that I should have it. It just doesn't happen. So, painfully, we have to walk through, and it would be negligent, by the way, on my part, if I did not at least talk about and expose folks who come in for a financial review to talk about the exposure. Listen, I know firsthand uh, my mom died in '94, and it was easily ten to twelve thousand dollars a month, and she was not staying. At the Hilton. It was a beautiful place. It was clean, but it was very pricey. So, without a long term care policy, it drains a portfolio at rocket speed. And so, let's talk about some of the basics. Look, I think when you are around the age of 60, I think that's the optimal age. That's just my opinion. Some people buy it in their 50s. If you wait till you're much older, guess what? The premium goes way up. And you have the possibility of being declined. If you have a health condition, a preexisting condition, even though your regular health insurance cannot deny you, if you have a pre existing condition, in the long-term care world, it's like your house is on fire and you call your insurance guy and says, hey, I want to I put some insurance on my house. Sorry, it's too late. So like your long-term care policy, if you find out you have a condition of some sort... Your first reaction is to, A, buy more life insurance, and B, get one of those expensive long-term care pauses because all of a sudden they look really inexpensive. By the way, 25% of all applicants are declined, and this is in their 60s. So imagine the number in your 70s or older. And by the way, after 79, you can't even be accepted any longer. So you've got to make that decision well before that. And if you wait till you're 79, the premiums will be so prohibitive, you'd probably say, forget about it. I'm not doing this. But it's important to shop around. Some insurance companies like this kind of risk versus that kind of risk. And so we'll compare and contrast and provide the best quote. And then, of course, you have to go through underwriting. And underwriting simply says they're going to get all your medical records to find out if... You're really telling the truth. You you weren't diagnosed yesterday with stage four cancer, God forbid. So they'll look at your medical records and underwrite you, either premier best coverage or table two or table three or table four. And then you once you're accepted, you're good to go and, and pay the premiums. It's expensive. There's no question about it, Craig. But, but the important thing is not having it is ridiculously expensive. Well, define
3: what you then mean by it's expensive, Pat.
6: Like all choices, there is the Volkswagen plan and there's the Mercedes plan. Do you want to wait 90 days? Do you want $100 a day coverage? Do you want $200 a day? And there's three basic components. There's the nursing home coverage. It's if you get confined to a nursing home. There's adult daycare. That means where a person comes in your home and assists with things like bathing and showering and you know, doing the basic fundamental things. And then there's medical care in the home where a medical person comes in your home and helps you with special equipment or bandages or other medical things. So the three elements of the coverage kind of dictates what the real premium is going to be. And you can calibrate the coverage based on if you want just a cheapy plan to supplement you if you get subject to a nursing home. Maybe you want, you'll be okay with $50 a day and that will help offset some portion of the coverage. And then you could buy inflation protection. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can tag on. It's like when you buy a car, you want body side molding, you want uh, this, that, and the other. all those options. Long-term care is not too unlike buying a car. You You add options or delete options, the premium is adjusted accordingly. But I always recommend even a basic fundamental coverage, that will cover you for the number of years. Typically, they're three or four years of coverage. Some are two, some are six, but typically it's three or four years of coverage. And if you could be in there for six months and then go home and then go back in, you know, a year later, another nine months. So there's a cumulative effect, all that coverage. But the average stay is certainly less than a year. Either you go home or you move on to greener pastures. But again, I think it needs a conscionable review, Craig. It's something that. Knowing what the exposure is, at least you'll be able to make a better decision. It's like when you insure your home, you know if your home burns down, God forbid, and we certainly see a lot of that here in California, you got to have coverage. You're one of your biggest assets. You want to have coverage. This is a likewise exposure that you may want to have some protection on. Maybe not 100%. Evaluate the exposure and then evaluate the risk in conjunction with the premium you are going to pay and I think that will you'll come to some, some realistic, middle-of-the-road kind of coverage.
3: But you really need to do this working with real numbers, don't you, Pat? And I ask that question because some folks might say, well, you know, we've set enough aside in retirement, so we're just going to plan on sort of self-insuring. But if we're not realistically looking at the potential downward pressure – that a long-term stay could have if either one or both of the spouses in some cases require it and what the consequences might mean for, say, the surviving spouse, that could be problematic. Toward that end, we know that banks, for example, engage in stress tests. Is there a stress test available to ascertain whether or not your retirement plan could in fact survive a major health incident?
6: Yeah, we do exactly what you just described. We're going to evaluate your portfolio size And you very well may say, look, I can afford to self-fund this coverage if I ever have that kind of exposure for for me or my my spouse. I can still have the surviving spouse have enough cash flow to keep him or her in the lifestyle. She's grown accustomed. He's grown accustomed. I'm not going to pay the premium. But if you're just on the border of, wow, if if my husband and my wife goes into a nursing home and we're making $15,000 a month and now 10 of that's got to go... To keep him or her in a nursing home that leaves me with only five grand and that's not going to make it. I can't live on five grand based on all my monthly nut exposure. We may need to consider buying a supplementary policy to make up for that for that shortfall. So it's all about carefully looking at your budget and you're not traveling to Europe if you're in a nursing home so all those vacation expenses you thought you were going to spend on it's a review, a real strong review of your budget. And your, your needs in retirement, and what happens if mom or dad has to go into a nursing home or needs medical care at home, is easily 25, 35 dollars per hour today.
3: At the end of the day, we spend decades preparing for retirement. And a lot of that money can unfortunately disappear in a very short period of time if we haven't planned for the unexpected. Certainly shopping for long-term care insurance can be surprisingly difficult as we've heard. Why not start by coming in for that retirement plan stress test to schedule your appointment? Again, never any cost or obligation. Go online to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. In addition, if you'd like to learn more about these and other topics, including our look at the secret to getting a great deal on long-term care insurance, we'll just jog on over to don'tinvestandforget.com and check out the Investor Education tab. There you'll find a complete library of articles on topics that range from tax efficiency to retirement lifestyles. You can even sign up to have these educational articles delivered right into your email inbox. Check it out. Go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com.
5: Tucci says, don't invest and forget, invest and forget, invest
3: and forget. Welcome back to
6: Don't Invest and Forget. My special guest today, and good friend, Karen Owak is in studio with me today. Karen is a clinical exercise physiologist. She's an author, wrote a book called Athletes and Aprons, the Nutrition Playbook to Break 100. Karen, welcome to the show.
5: Well, thank you, Pat. So nice to see you.
6: We talk about financial health all the time. We've been doing it for over 30 years. Certainly tangential to financial health is our physical health. And without our physical health, financial health is useless, isn't it? So there's a hand-in-glove opportunity here to talk to our audience about physical health. And Karen, what do you consider to be the number one health issue in the USA today?
5: Being that I'm a cardiopulmonary rehab specialist, you'd probably think that I'm going to say blood pressure, but in my experience, it is the midlife muscle crisis. This is the loss of muscle over the years, aging.
6: Why are you looking at me when you talk about this, this issue? I'm, I'm getting a little uh, uncomfortable here.
5: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not looking at you. <laughs> the problem with this is that it leads to all these other issues that affect longevity. Unhealthy weight. In my opinion, when people are complaining about their weight, it's more of an issue of not so much that they are carrying too much fat, but that they have too little muscle. We have cognitive decline that is also tied in with the loss of muscle and then chronic disease. So they're all interrelated. In the book, you talk about functional longevity. Well, functional longevity is a step up from longevity. Longevity, we're talking about how long you live. There are three tiers to that. And the first tier is To be able to do the things you need to do. Those are some of your basic needs. Being able to dress yourself, go to the bathroom by yourself and eat by yourself. And then the next next level would be be able to do the things that you want to do a lot of my veterans, they're not able to even do the things they want to do. You know, they sit at home, they see all these home projects that they want to get to, but they're physically unable to get to and do. And then the top layer, the top tier would be being able to do the things you love to do. Like for you, golf and tennis and scuba and all those things that we love to do. So so functional longevity is being able to do all those things, need, want, and what the things that we're passionate about.
6: So you have a very, very simple comment in your book, just walk. I mean, is it that simple?
5: Uh, no, it's not, actually. You know, that's something a lot of people tell us to do, but the, the doctors will say, just walk but it's not enough. We have nine fundamental human movement patterns, and that is being able to press things overhead, being able to push and pull, and being able to carry things, hinge, bend over, hinge at the hip, being able to squat, lunge, twist, and also move on foot. All those things need to be incorporated into a an exercise prescription in order to promote longevity. So it's not as simple as just being able to walk. When my patients would come to cardiac rehab, they think all I'm going to do is prop them on a treadmill, but not so. They say, why are you making us do all these other things? And because you're not able to push, pull, press, and do all those things, you're not going to be able to perform activities of daily living. It's a little bit more than, than just being able to walk.
6: Sometimes it's overwhelming, you know, do I swim, do I run, do I jog, do I bicycle? I mean, there's all the things you just mentioned. Your book talks about just three things our listeners can do right now to get them back on track to living longer. Just three simple
5: things. Number one, drink more water. And I recommend the standard is drinking half of your weight in water. And that only applies to people that don't have heart failure or kidney disease, So, But that's the standard. Drink half of your weight in water.
6: If you're 200 pounds, you drink 100 ounces. Is that the rule? That takes a lot, doesn't it?
5: It does. But if you sip it throughout the day, it's not as overwhelming. Don't try to get it all down in in a couple hours, but just sip it throughout the day. And the reason why, um, and it ties in with the muscle crisis that we're having because your muscles are 76% water and then 20% protein. If you're not getting enough water in, you're not gonna be able to build muscle. Also, if you want to metabolize fat, you're gonna store more if you're dehydrated, if not getting in enough water. Your kidneys can't function without enough water. And when that happens, the liver has to kick in and do its job. And the liver's job is actually to metabolize fat and provide energy. So you want your kidneys to be able to function so that your liver can function, break down fat. So it's very important to drink that water. So when you're drinking more water, your blood is circulating more and you're very active. So that's real important to make sure you're getting enough so that you're getting enough circulation and throughout your muscles.
6: Your book is called Athletes and Aprons, the Nutrition Playbook to Break
5: 100. I do redefine what an athlete is at the beginning of the book. And we tend to think of athletes as people that are getting paid to, to do their sport. They wear a uniform. They're high performers. But my view, uh, an athlete is someone that perseveres. It's not all about performance. So a cardiac patient, a cancer survivor, the back of the Packers, they're all athletes too. And so that. Club of being athletes is a lot more inclusive than exclusive. So if you persevere, if you try to be better than yesterday, you qualify as an athlete. And it's interesting when I when I started calling my my cardiac patients athletes and cardio athletes, all of a sudden their their spirits lifted because they just felt better about themselves rather than feeling sick. They felt, hey, I can do this. And you know, one of the other things I encourage people to do is to be kinder to themselves and to be more compassionate to themselves. One of the things I, I see as they try to lose weight or change their lifestyle is that they're very harsh. They use the words, I have to, I have to, I need to, I have to lose weight, I need to go on a diet. And when you think that way, and that that's a negative way to think about yourself, that you're kind of broken and you need to do these things, you have to do these things, it can really derail you. I I had a patient yesterday that he did so well in the three months I worked with him. He improved 360% just on his balance on one side alone, and his lower extremity strength increased over 70%. And the first words out of his mouth were, I need to do better with my diet. And I said, did you just hear what I said? So that's the thing. People have to break through that negative barrier that's keeping them from achieving their goals. And and I really encourage your listeners to start being kinder to themselves. I see this all the time.
6: We're hardest on ourselves always, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. if you're 20 pounds overweight, you kind of give up. Oh, I'll never, I'll never lose it. You know, you, you kind of get into this pessimistic, almost a, a semi-depression, isn't it?
5: Yeah. And you know what? You can, you know, with the water, eat more plants. That's another thing that that will definitely make a difference in your life for a multitude of reasons. And I really go through this in my book. It's once you figure out why we age, then we could do something about it. And eating more plants is actually very healthy in a lot of ways, improving your immune system and and muscle function and all those things included. So eating more plants and making those changes, think of it as something positive and not, not like we're taking something away from you. I always like to add things versus take them away and say, okay, you know, keeping that hope is real important. I have this lady that came into our program and she could barely walk she could barely walk. I couldn't even get the treadmill slow enough for her. I had to kind of work her way up to being on the slowest treadmill because she was so ridden with arthritis and she was very stiff and immobile. But in four weeks of training, exercise, stress management, and also nutrition, she changed completely. In just four weeks, she was able, she come in sprightly into the facility and she was cheerful and she was able to walk on the treadmill and and it was amazing so four weeks of doing that kind of change is it can happen
6: with me in studio karen owak she's an author she's a exercise physiologist karen i always appreciate you having you on my show you always inspire me and i'm going to go out and do the right things and drink more water and eat more vegetables how's that for an inspired guy huh?
5: that's great and just remember no matter how much money you have it doesn't matter if you're too weak to enjoy life
6: karen thank you so much for joining me today
5: you're welcome thank you so much for having me
2: been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to Don'tInvestAndForget.com. That's Don'tInvestAndForget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 N W I S C, Or visit Don'tInvestAndForget.com.
1: Pat Patucci, program guests and Greg Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal profession prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. Proxy Freedom and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.